welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're tackling Season 1, Episode 2, The Golden Triangle. The original air date for this episode was October 6th. 1985. It was directed by Paul Stanley, not of Kiss fame, and written by Dennis Foley. All right, so episode two, The Golden Triangle. Yeah. Uh, kind of, a, to me, this is a really interesting choice for a second episode. Right. It, Be- it switches from being like this highly scientific thing to more of like an emotional, ethical. Yeah, but also just extreme exotic location where we're in under underground lab in episode one and now we're in the jungles of burma yeah episode two and it's it almost plays uh i guess we said like a combination of uh seven samurai and the three amigos yeah <laughs> it's um, such a good combination too it's, it's one samurai <laughs> one amigo <laughs> quick uh, summary of the episode we have our opening gambit where macgyver is in an anonymous junkyard mm-hmm. and he is assigned to intercept a briefcase that contains some missile uh, launch codes. Yeah, yeah, a top secret. He actually says top secret Pentagon mission launch codes. <laughs> right. And then he uh, he gets in a, a, a spot of trouble, uh, mm-hmm. ends up trapped in a, a car and a trash compactor. Yeah. And uh, How will he escape? How will he escape? Find out when we <laughs> review this episode in full, moments from now. <laughs> Um, and the full episode. Yeah, the full episode. Um, he is sent to Burma to recover a canister of toxic something. And um, in the middle of it, he encounters a group of people who are been enslaved to work in poppy fields for a crazy dictator. And he uh, helps them out. Yeah. All right. And then I think we can move into uh, the the full-length descriptions of each of these okay. segments. Um and uh, I also noticed in, in this particular episode that uh, we didn't get this the first time around, probably because Gerald directed the entire episode and, and presumably mm. Lee Zlotoff wrote the entire episode. But here we actually have a separate credit for directing, writing and directing the opening gambit, which right. is directed by Donald Petrie, who will go on to direct other episodes this season, mm-hmm. full, full episodes, okay. not just opening gambits, and written by Terry Nation. The Terry Nation is also a name that appears often yes so for the opening gambit um we start out with macgyver sort of wandering around this junkyard at explaining his his longtime love of of junkyards which right. makes sense that macgyver yeah. would he's would. a junker yeah. i mean he he is he is someone who takes junk and makes it into something else and that's that's what people do in in junkyards yeah um and he's uh at the same time sort of spying on these these people who uh I'm, it's not clear if if they've already conducted their transaction if they're all on the same team or if it's happening right now the handoff yeah it, it's it's very strange because they come they arrive separately and they like have the briefcase they open it up to examine it as if this is the the meeting but no one seems to have any money yeah, or nothing's just, changing hands. Yeah, it, it, it felt almost like they just conducted the transaction and they decided to come to this junkyard to right. make sure that they got what they had yeah. just paid for. This is just some kind of drop. Right. Like going to person A to person B. Yeah. Uh, but uh, MacGyver swings a, a big old magnet. Right. He distracts him with like he knocks over a pile of tires and when they're investigating to see who, who else is in this junkyard with them, he's, he's using the... the junkyard's electromagnet mm-hmm. to rip to, this apparently metal briefcase. Briefcase, yeah. Uh, and he lifts it up and carries it. The plan is very short-sighted because there's a limited range that this magnet can go, and it's not a very fast-moving thing. So he has to be quick because you know he brings it over, he drops it, gets the thing, and but he's immediately pursued. Yeah. Uh, so there's this little cat and mouse uh, amongst the piled-up cars in the junkyard. But then he is quickly, you know, it's three against one. There's not a lot of places to go, and he makes a wrong turn and is knocked out. Yeah, there's this sort of funny line reading where he's explaining that he always has the beginning of a plan, and he doesn't really know where it's going, but he knows when things have gone wrong because they hit him right right in the face. And there's a direct punch to camera. Right. Uh, it's cut. one of one of several uh, first-person views for mm-hmm. this episode, which yeah. we didn't have so much of in, in the pilot. But yeah, so he gets knocked out, wakes up in the back seat of one of these junk cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it appears as though these the three men conducting this transaction have 
brought on board a fourth person. Right. And and it's not clear if he knows that MacGyver's even in the car. Yeah, it, it's – I mean, unless this junkyard is like a front. Right. Like the, the, these kinds of things happen in the junkyard. It seems like they just hired someone to – unless they knew how to run a forklift – uh, which I guess it can't be, maybe not that hard, but they had another person no running. No offense to our forklift driver yeah, listeners. Sorry, yes. Uh, to they hired another person to run a forklift, stab the car through the windows, and bring it up into a car crushing device. And so as this uh, this huge arm is yeah. coming down like diagonally to crush it, the car, which it, seems like a weirdly inefficient way to crush it. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a real machine, but I always my my vision of car crushing machines are always like like multiple levels of compacting like like one comes in from the sides and then another one comes in from the front and then sure. like like it like I'm, i guess i'm picturing more like a cube crushing machine yeah like it just like a, like a internal wally yeah exactly <laughs> um but uh yeah this was just a flat out pancaking kind of machine and uh while in the back seat uh can't get out doors are locked so from the outside somehow yeah um and i don't remember why he doesn't just climb out the window, but I guess because they're the there. The windows open. Well, oh, they're I guess broken. They had to be. Yeah, they, they were broken. Um, but you know, the guys are out there with guns. Right. So he 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 pulls apart the back seat and climbs into the trunk. And then he finds a tire iron right. in the trunk. Uh, because be, well, it's important to note that the machine is crushing from the front of the yeah, car to the back. Like because because it's like it's making a triangle and it's kind of like coming down the the front the front end of the car is getting crushed faster than the back end. Right. So he's trying to buy himself more time and he gets into the trunk and pries it open. And then sneaks out without the uh, three men not- you know noticing cuz they're 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 kind of busy like laughing it up about <laughs> MacGyver's imminent demise. Right. Not paying attention. Not wondering why there's no screams or or cries for help. Or... Yeah. And so uh, their their plan is to just leave a dead body in this uh, car crusher and mm-hmm. just head on out. They pile into their car and start to leave. But now MacGyver um, has has sort of commandeered this forklift, which mm-hmm. we're not. It's not clear what happened to the original forklift driver. There was yeah. a fourth person right. here, but now MacGyver is at the wheel, and uh, they notice a little bit too late. And swerve to the left to avoid him, but then end up skidding right, right. up to him, and he just punches through the windows and the windshield with the yeah, the God, it goes forklift. right through the windshield. It's really crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But also, if you think about his initial plan was just to head on the car with the forklift forks. Yeah, yeah would have made no sense. He would have decapitated a couple guys. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty intense plan. So lucky for him, they skidded in in sideways onto the onto the arms, right. and then he uh, he lifts him up into the air and just kind of pins them against this girder right. or something. It is a telephone pole. Oh, okay. Uh, some kind of pole. Right. But they don't really appear all that trapped, and they still have guns. They still have guns, and their windows are down. Like, they could very easily be shooting at MacGyver. Right. He's mere feet away from them, and then it, he walks over to a payphone and just calls up yeah. his boss and lets him know, hey, you know that diplomatic uh, case you guys put me on? Well, I got it, and the boys who took it. <laughs> You want to come pick, pick him, him up? up? <laughs> I just did. <laughs> oh. And then he gets shot in the back of the head. <laughs> no, that could very easily have happened, though. Yeah. In the MacGyver online forums, uh, username Miracle Mac pointed out that the same junkyard, forklift, and car compactor were used in uh, an episode of Knight Rider. It was season two, episode five, Blind Spot. And it, this was about a year before mm. um, the second episode of MacGyver. Wait, the Knight Rider was before? Or MacGyver the Knight Rider was, before? Was, okay. was one year earlier. Um, and that particular episode of Knight Rider actually featured uh, Alyssa Davalos, who we will become familiar with later when mm-hmm. she appears in the minor role of Lisa Kohler, I think in season three. Oh, okay. And then later as the regular character, Nikki Carpenter. And then we move to, uh, he's basically turned these characters in. Right, and, right. And we move on to the official mission. Yeah, the op- you know, opening credits cut to MacGyver sunning himself on uh, the beach. And He's just sitting out there, and he he's, he makes an odd comment about Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah, uh, he's complaining about the phone having been invented right. because it's so hard to get away from people, even though he's not really being called right now. He has he, a phone with him, Yeah, and he's complaining about Alexander Graham Bell, and then he's he's contracted in person. In person by a three-star general. Yeah, an Air Force general. It just, he just is just out there on the beach. Which, I mean, at this point, his his supervisors, it's a very vague understanding of who he works for it right. seems like it's a it's a government agency at this point because 
in in the pilot he he's brought on by the CIA to deal mm-hmm. with this this uh, underground explosion. In the opening gambit, he's reporting to someone at the Pentagon, or so, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming an intelligence agency. Um, and then here he's being recruited by by an Air, Air Force. Force. Uh, it, there doesn't seem to be any really official channels to contact MacGyver. Yeah, he just seems to be for hire. Um, but uh, the general's name tag says Hawkins. Right. And that's about all the information we have on him. I think he's just credited as the general. Yeah. Even though he's never referred to he never as comes the back. Yeah. And MacGyver never calls him the general. Right. I don't I don't believe. Um and so, you know, he makes a makes a kind of a jokey comic. Ever been to Burma? Like, oh, here we go. To Burma. And uh, and we cut to the the second set of uh, first person view um footage. Yeah. Which he's uh he's moving through the jungles of Burma with a machete slicing out mm-hmm. plants and as the general's sort of overlaying with this, his, his mission. Right. Uh, the mission to uh, recover a canister from a downed uh, cargo plane, uh, recover it if possible, destroy it if necessary, because it's, it, it can apparently can kill a thousand acres of life. And uh, if it's, if it's breached. Yeah. It can, it, it could destroy a thousand acres of, of, plant life or or the people within a thousand acres exactly which really i mean a thousand acres is a lot but it it just seems you know obviously i feel bad for any people or in there but it's like it seems like it would be bigger like like twenty thousand acres or or like you know yeah yeah, yeah. it is it, like it seems really relatively contained it seems like if you you just flew a plane over and, and napalmed it uh, but obviously they don't know they don't know where the canister is exactly. He, they need to have confirmation that the canister has been destroyed. So they send him MacGyver, and, and it turns out if they if they had napalmed it, they they actually probably wouldn't have gotten it because right. conceivably it was taken correct days earlier. So uh, while making his way to the cargo plane, MacGyver encounters a group of enslaved villagers uh, under the control of a really mean kind of boss called Truang. Uh, yeah, very quickly, we're introduced to all the the major characters of this episode. Right, we have a uh, uh, three major villagers that that we're introduced to, which are Ming, Lin, and Chan. Right, and then we have Truang, who's sort of the second in command. Yeah, as far as the their drug lord bosses right. go, he's just basically in charge of this particular village. We can assume that there are many other villages that are also under control of uh, General Narai, right. who we'll come to know. And what is the the character name for the headman? Um, I Anik. believe it was Anik or Aiken. Um, they never. I don't believe they actually ever say his name. But uh, General Narai will refer to him as headman. headman. Yeah, that's that was the only the only character name that I, I was thinking. Headman. But that is he's played by uh, Clyde Kusatsu, and he's sort of halfway between the teams because right. he, he is a member of the village, but he's sort of their de facto leader in that he's encouraging them to cooperate because he just doesn't want anyone to get hurt and he's terrified of, of something bad happening to yeah he, he's not a fan of what they're doing but he he doesn't want anyone to get killed he, he's still a sympathetic character yeah as as much as he he ends up at odds with macgyver yeah, and, he's and afraid he's village. afraid right which is understandable i mean right. a, a drug lord is a very unpredictable person and he could slaughter the whole village if he felt like it so uh we we instantly see kind of the, their plight where Truang is very cruel. The the grandfather of uh, Chan and Lin uh, trips and falls, and uh, Truang just gets mad and it's like he's gonna come beat him up. But you know they're all no 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 please you know. Yeah, you know it's like this is a useless slave. He can't even walk. Like yeah. what's he doing here? And and Chan, uh, the the young boy, and Lin, his older sister, are like coming yeah, to his defense. Exactly. But which you know, devil's advocate. Why would you be marching an old man around as a slave? Like, sure, like he shouldn't he, even be in the opium fields he, all yeah, day. Like, it yeah, doesn't make sense. Like, he, he, he. There should be another job that he could be doing. He could be serving a purpose at the village. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not endorsing slavery. Just, just making some points. Just saying, if you want to, uh, <laughs> if you want to harvest opium, yeah, you just know, think about who you're, who you're hiring. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all about efficiency. Right. <laughs> so, um, but MacGyver spots on Chan. The uh, he's wearing a red U.S. Air Force, Air Force hat, and Chan, uh, in in his grandfather's defense, hits uh, Truang with a tree branch, like, right? Like bends it back and lets it slap him. You, you get the impression that it's it's sort of like uh, he just lost his temper a little bit. Like yeah. Truang is like up up in uh, his grandfather's face, like complaining about how mm-hmm. slow he is, and also at the same time, kind of 
like hitting on Lin. It seems yeah. like yeah, he he carries a piece of bamboo like uh, maybe like a foot and a half in length, and he, he either brandishes it like a club or he uses it to like sensually like stroke, stroke people. her people. Like yeah. like he he never makes direct contact. But it's enough that Chan is upset to the point of pulling back this tree branch and mm-hmm. then letting it like smack him in the back. Yeah. And then when True Ang turns around. He realizes, like, ah, crap, I should have done yeah. that. It just runs off. Right. Trang chases after him. MacGyver grabs Chan to hide him, like, you know, covers his mouth, like, to keep him quiet, because Chan doesn't know who's got him. Who are you? Name's MacGyver. And uh, Truang kind of runs off in search of Chan. Yeah, past them. He, mm-hmm. he misses where MacGyver's hiding in these, right. in these branches. So MacGyver befriends him, you know, and asks him about where he got the hat because he, he he assumes that it must have come from the plane. Okay, so this is a question I had about the episode because there there doesn't seem to be a body at the crash site when right. they go there. Um, at least there's no insert. Maybe there is a body and MacGyver's just being discreet and they, they don't end up touching on it. Well, the general does say that the wreckage is scattered over the jungle. Right, but so, it does seem like this is a large portion exactly. of the plane that's here. And this is where he said he found the hat. Right. Which which stands to reason that maybe the body was nearby, but there is not a body at the crash site. Which, right. There's um, not even a there's not even a friggin' cockpit. It's, and if he survived the crash, he I assume would have been taken prisoner by this drug lord, right? Narai. But um, if he didn't survive the crash, they wouldn't have a reason to like bury the body or take it away from the scene, right? So, I'm I'm assuming that he just took this hat off of a dead person. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's so happy about it too he's like oh yeah no i'll show you MacGyver. i'll show you where i got the hat see this corpse i took it off of his head just gotta get some of the hair out. <laughs> yeah there's definitely blood on the hat yeah there's, there has to be yeah um so takes him to the plane and macgyver uh finds the box that the canister is supposed to be in and uh and it also it's hard to get a grasp of how big the plane is because the fuselage is very small but when we see how many weapons and crates and stuff were packed in there, it just seems like this thing, this plane was fully loaded if that's as big as the plane was. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and But then, he also does refer to it as a cargo plane, which should be yeah. a much bigger plane than what we see here. Crashed. Exactly. This, this, I mean, again, we don't know how much of the wreckage they said is scattered. But when right. he's in the fuselage, the section of the plane that has the can- canister. Yeah, it's maybe six feet across. Yeah, it's, it's really – for such an important item, you think it would be stored – relatively with easy access so this plane's not not a very big plane right the proportions don't work out but the canister's not even in the plane so it doesn't matter and they're captured macgyver MacGyver steps off the plane and is i think he's clubbed by truang right the second time he's knocked unconscious in this episode right uh and uh chan has just been you know subdued yeah and we get to the village, and he's being brought in uh, Ewok style, up on a on a bamboo shoot, dangling from it by his wrists and his ankles. And at this point, uh, the rest of Chan's family hasn't actually seen MacGyver. They don't know what happened. So Correct. They're they they they're asking, "Did he hurt you?" Or like they don't know what MacGyver even did with Chan. They just know that the two of them disappeared for a while, and they're being brought back together. Yeah, it's it's such a strange thing too. You know how we talked about in the first episode with the building of the cage. Yeah. For the pilot, and now here in this episode, they the went. Sun rack. They well, no, no. Before this, oh, like they chopped down a piece of bamboo and tied MacGyver to it, and then carried him. It's like, wouldn't it be easier just to have MacGyver walk? Because because yeah, they have not the old man. They made the old man walk. Yeah, because then they immediately go to him being untied and standing up, and just being guarded by two men. Right. There just seemed like it was a lot of extra work to tie him up, carry him. And I'm sure he was explaining this to them the whole time they were chopping down the bamboo. Like, you know, guys, I can just, <laughs> just walk, I can just walk alongside you. Get guns no, and it's, there's it's, a lot of you. It's, it's less work for you to carry. I'm just looking out for your best interests. <laughs> um, and uh, Trang starts trying to uh, interrogate him, saying, like, you know, who are you are a narcotics agent. And yeah, the guy was all, worse, what? Worst interrogator ever. <laughs> Um, trying to figure out where he's from. He's it's like, just funny. Like he starts the interrogation with, "I know who you are, and I know why you're here. Are you French? Or are you <laughs> like he who has no you? idea what what country he belongs to? And the fact that they knew this was an American plane, right? And it's pretty clear from this conversation that that MacGyver is an American. And if they know an American plane with this secret looking canister and all these weapons right. just crashed near them, and they find him at the actual crash site." 
why why wouldn't they assume that he's there to retrieve the stuff from the right. plane? It, well, the, keep in mind he does carry a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> right, that's true. So he could be a part of a member of the Swiss Army. <laughs> Need to be clear. But during the interrogation, MacGyver uh, spots the crates, and he sees, you know, it's one of those insert things where he sees like a life raft, life vest, some guns, some flares. Yeah, they took and then, a lot more than what they could possibly have needed. Yeah. It seems like they, I mean, I they understand took they took the guns for an awry and they took the canister because it looked interesting, but some of the stuff, it's like, what are they going to use the flares for? I mean, I guess eh, you just you know, take just, what you get. Just, yes, yeah, st- stuff is stuff. Yeah. Um, it'll all sell or be useful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then he sees the canister and he says, okay, though, so there's the stuff. And uh, that's when general narai arrives now the uh the actor who plays uh general narai uh his name's george chung um and he ended up playing the uh i i actually recognized him from being the the ambassador from uh the west wing ling po he's the chinese oh, okay. ambassador um but w- in looking up his imdb i noticed that he played hattori hanzo on <laughs> days of our lives <laughs> Like he, <laughs> that did not he, go where I thought it was going. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was Hattori Hanzo in a like multi-episode arc of Days of Our Lives, which, but I also noticed that uh, the actor who plays uh, General Narai actually appears in two more MacGyver episodes down the line. So, oh, okay. So we'll discuss those roles uh, as as we get to them. Yeah, we're gonna see a lot of repeating actors right. as different characters, and, and as we get to their second or third appearances, we'll be referring back to their original ones. Right now, it wouldn't make much sense to do it since yeah, this is... we haven't gotten there yet. Episode two, people. <laughs> we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So Narai lands his helicopter. Mm-hmm. He tries to do kind of a fancy landing, which, right, right. which MacGyver mocks him for later. Um, and uh, he, for his first order of business is figuring out what the poppy situation is because they have... A harvest. Yeah, a large opium delivery is supposed to be made soon, and they're not they're not on schedule, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as the head man is trying to convince his people to uh to harvest the opium as quickly as possible they, they seem reticent to do it even yeah under the threat of of murder um because they can only pick so much so uh narai also comes though at the the, the whole the whole reason he's there isn't just for the poppies his uh Chirang right. also did radio him uh about the downed uh, american plane exactly and that he's got all these weapons that for him you know Chirang is a is uh, an honest doesn't keep anything for himself he's like he it's like he's trying to please the general. Right. And uh, so the general takes a look at the weapons and decides to load them all up onto his helicopter. Yeah, his intention is to make his helicopter into like a this warship, I think he calls yeah, it. Yeah, like gunship. He, yeah. He, yeah, he just wants to attach all the the guns to it so that he can just shoot people from, from, from his, helicopter. his helicopter, which seems like a weird plan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also weird that he travels alone. He he to me like he he's he's very uh, hands on. Should have like a, a chauffeur. Well, no, but he doesn't have a bodyguard. He, yeah. He's he's a very hands on general. Like he yeah. comes there in person, all dapper with a horse, one of those like horse whip sticks, right? Um, uh, to be intimidating, and you know, big old aviator sunglasses. He's a very fanciful man. It's it's kind of bizarre. Like when he first lines, Terang basically says. I got this guy to talk. He's a narcotics agent, and and whether or not he believes Truang is, right. is kind of unclear at this point. But he has no hesitation to mention his exact schedules for. I will be back in five days <laughs> to collect the opium. These guns are from an American plane, which I'm going to apply to my ship. Like he's giving. If if he were a narcotics agent, this would be a lot of information that you wouldn't want him right. to have. Well, I guess in anticipation of his imminent death. Sure. Uh, because uh, Narai does plan to stake him out uh, under the sun. Yeah, he's going to let hot the sun Burmese kill MacGyver sun. over the course of uh, five days while these <laughs> opium farmers use that as inspiration somehow to work harder. Well, because I, I guess they have to walk past him every yeah. day and just, just see him laying there. And they build this, like you mentioned before, they build this really elaborate cot out of bamboo sure, to yeah. stake him to instead of just staking him to the ground. Right. Which to me would be more unpleasant, or maybe not. Uh, the ground could probably cool down yeah, faster than. I would say, like at least, at least the, his backside would have like relatively cool yeah. air airflow. I don't know. It just seems like a weird choice. Yeah, <laughs> it's a weird choice just to just stake him out there just to begin with. And you had made the point here that uh, the the framing of him on the sun rack is is kind of a mirror image of 
of him on the beach in the the introduction yeah, to this well, mission. Exactly. Like, well, he's he's sunning himself again, and he even makes a joke to the one of the guards about like, like catching some, some good, good rays here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing he's got that base tan because otherwise this could have been really painful. Yeah, but he he's not even there for a whole day, is he? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but uh, it's hard to say because he's put out there at least on that day. Right. And then, uh, but Chan- then the sun would go down, so he's not getting baked the right. entire time. And he got there in the middle of the day, so so there's some time has elapsed when he was unconscious. He had to wait for people to make this mm-hmm. bamboo carrying <laughs> system, and then uh, and well, then he has this whole conversation with them before he even gets put on the sun rack. Well, we'll say it's been at least one day. Well, it can't have been more than one day because the general said the helicopter would land 24 hours after he was dropped off. So, mm-hmm. oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So he only has 24 hours. So, it, and he actually, um, Narai makes the point that he's going to be back in five days. And then, right before MacGyver ends up getting released from this, uh, from the Sunrack, uh, Truang makes some point like, we only have four days left to harvest. Okay. Like, okay. making it very clear this is the next day. Okay. So, yeah, he's been out there for then overnight, presumably. And it looks like when Chan is smuggling him his Swiss Army knife, which is, um, uh, I guess one of the the guards took it, right? And then Chan kind of swiped it from them, mm-hmm. um, and then he gives it back to MacGyver to cut himself free, right? Which which is really odd, because there's this moment where he he's got the knife, then a guard comes, and he right. cuts himself free, or he, I can't. It's weird because I like think the guard falls asleep. Yeah, and the then guard he cuts himself the, free. The guard cuts, falls asleep. He, he he. We don't see that he cuts himself free. Right. There's a, there's like a surprise. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, and when the guard ch- is about to change shifts, the new guard comes and sees the other guard asleep, and MacGyver's still on the rack, but then he spots the he knife, sees on, the the knife on the ground. And when he goes down to pick it up, MacGyver kind of comes in with a with a hi-yah. Yeah. But it just seems like MacGyver. How MacGyver didn't know when the next guard was going to come by, and he just got or back. that they were even changing shifts. Yeah, or... he just got back on the rack. And so I guess I'll just wait it out. <laughs> yeah, like he he already took out one guard because it seems like this guard is has been knocked unconscious. Yeah, he's been not and and held up with a belt. Right, and then yeah, I guess like so he knocked out one guard and he was free to leave, but instead he laid back down on the rack and waited for the next guard. Next guard, f- just for the sake of this surprise. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just keep waiting for guards to come. Yeah. I, he should have just like got back on the rack and waited for an array to be like, so how are things going? Oh no! <laughs> it's just a pile of sleeping guards. And we we didn't mention this before, but uh, for whatever reason, the kid's voice is dubbed over. Yeah. This isn't the only time that we'll see this, right? Um, and it just—I mean, I, you know—it's not—it's not, a, it's not an uncommon thing, I guess, to dub over kids because you never know. I guess if something you're, if you're not getting the delivery you want out of them, right? Although, and it, it seemed to me, and I don't know if this is because they—they they were having trouble with the this particular um, child actor's uh, voice for the show, mm-hmm. but the first conversation that he has with MacGyver, MacGyver's voice is ADR also it seems like yeah um yeah there's no there was no room tone to mix it so you know so they just had to just go from studio environment to um, my thought was that maybe they just had you know they they had some audio problems on set and they couldn't get this kid to come back in to to redub mm -hmm. all of his lines or they didn't feel like doing it and obviously they need um Richard Dean Anderson to come in and do all of his voiceovers and, and that record. So maybe they just later on, they needed to record something for the kid and they couldn't get a hold of him. And so right. they ended up having to dub over the entire voice with someone they had on staff. Just to be consistent. Right. So, so MacGyver escapes, but he heads back into the village because he still has to get the canister. Right. And he does this really great, uh, peek around the corner of a, of a, one of the huts right and he's like and he's like getting a lay of the land but uh, i just love like there's so many instances that we're going to see of macgyver just kind of like peeking out from around corners in plain sight yeah of everyone and and like getting the lay of the land yeah um he then frees a bunch of pigs to as a distraction half of what macgyver does is distracting people right so while everyone is distracted with the pigs he makes his way to the tarped covered pile of uh weapons right which uh, i guess the general they just left him in the in like the yeah. town square like the general took some 
Um, but they left. I guess you know. Obviously, right. the helicopter he took, he was took small. The guns, I guess. So he's he's underneath the tarp, and he can he's starting to put together like this life raft, and a life vest, and some flares. Yeah. And this is really the first. I would say the first real thing that he constructs in this episode. Because everything else has just been like using tools. Yeah. Even in the opening gambit, he's just been using things, but he's never putting in. He's not. He hasn't put anything together. Yeah, it's not a MacGyverism to knock over a stack of tires. Yeah. Or to wedge open a, a trunk with a with a tire iron. Right. Or or cut yourself loose with a knife. Sure. Yeah. So th- he rigs up this chain reaction of a vest inflating to pull the inflation knob on a life raft. Which pulls the activation string for a string of flares. Yeah, this is this is the first what I would call a, a Rube Goldberg MacGyver. Is yeah, it's it's a lot of things that are dependent on hopefully they work. Yeah, it's it, there's no there's real way su- more steps than necessary. Yeah. Probably he probably could have just released the pigs for the same distraction that this whole exactly uh, because he it really only distracts because the guards are already distracted. The guards but, are distracted by the pigs and everything. Yeah. And really, he, he only needs it for as long as it's going to take him to pull vault into this guy's face, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's This is the first. He just, like, jump kicks this guy out of a Jeep. Yeah. and uh, Which is one of the shots from our, our opening credits. Yeah, exactly. Um, but once the, the flares go off, but the flares aren't the distraction, he, they, they took the airplane tire. Which I think is weird, or at least one of the airplane tires. Oh, yeah, because there is a tire. Yeah, and I guess he's using the flares to heat up the tire. And then the tire pops. pops. Um, because, like, I w- to me, it would have been simpler to use the life raft. Like, let it inflate, and then the flares burst the life raft. Because that's going to make a similar well, doesn't explosion. Well, he, doesn't he use the life raft, though? Well, he uses it to inflate, but the inflation is just a trigger to pull the flares active. Okay. And then the tire is the thing that explodes. Right. When he could have just had it blow up the... Blow up the... Yeah. Or even just take the CO2 cartridge off the life raft or whatever cartridge. You can see that the cartridge is on there. Yeah. Um, anyway. But either it, way, he, he sets a distraction with the pigs so that he can set another distraction, distraction. with the material stolen from very, the Very odd. Maybe maybe the point was just to destroy as much of what they salvaged as possible. Yeah. Um, he, he sneaks away with the canister, but he just hides it underneath a hut real quick. While he takes out another guard, and uh, that's when he, we do he takes the, like a, a big stick and he and he pole vaults in and, right. and kicks the guy in the face. So just whacking him with a stick. Yeah, while he was him with a stick. And then, as a result of that, he now has control of the jeep, right? Right. Which he drives maybe thirty feet before he jumps out and fires at one of these little pen flares. Yeah, and then the jeep explodes. Which I mean. That the booklet of the pen flares, there were like eight in there or something, right? There yeah. was a bunch of pen flares. He could have just used one of those as a distraction. Yeah, like cause people are. You shoot a flare, it's going to attract people. But yeah, he shoots it at the jeep, and the jeep just explodes. The only thing I can think of, but you couldn't. It didn't look like it had one. You know, sometimes these jeeps have like gas cans on the back. Right. But it didn't look like this one had that. Yeah. And he just fired the flare, and it just blew up the whole thing explodes um and then so it crashes and then he steals a truck and crashes it into a hut right oh i and it's not really clear why that happens either he he steals the truck and he's sort of driving through the village while truang is shooting at him yeah um but it doesn't look like truang ever actually hits him no 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 but and uh he drives the truck into a, into the house where Truang is shooting from the porch. Right. And Truang runs into the house to avoid the truck, and at some point, and somehow loses his gun because when he comes back out, and MacGyver's trapped in the truck. Yeah, that was that seemed like a weird like writing situation where they're like, well, now he he drove this truck into the front of a building and he can't get out of it very quick. Why didn't Truang just shoot him? He's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. He lost his gun. <laughs> he lost his gun in the because he just comes like it's it's not clear what happened to it, but Truang comes out and he he reaches for his holster and it's empty. Empty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he just runs for it. Yeah, he's just like, ah, uh, bye. And uh, MacGyver is trying to get out to stop him because he knows like he'll he'll alert people if he gets away. Yeah. Um, not that it mattered because the 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 cop was going to be there any day anyway. Sure. But so uh, Truang runs off, and the village is kind of like upset. You know, Anik comes out. <laughs> and MacGyver comes back, and he's just like, well, you're free. Like, <laughs> I, like I didn't just dig you into a much deeper hole. Yeah. They're they're obviously much worse off than they were. You, you have destroyed us all. 
And uh, MacGyver says, well, I gotta go. <laughs> I, I promised the guy I'd return this canister, so that's what I gotta do. You guys figure out what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, you know, the villagers are kind of left really upset. Except for one, who I, I think takes the right approach, me. Thank you for what you have done, MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Who, I guess, is a friend of Lynn. He's not... He's not He's not a sibling of Lin or, or Chan. I, I don't think so because they, they never referenced him it, as that. And It but, seems like he's in a relationship with Lin, but yeah. it's never made entirely clear. Because there's a, there's a, there's a time when uh, uh, Ming is going to knock out a guard during, the, during that whole distraction sequence. Right. And he checks with Lin first like to give him permission. Like, I'm going to help him. Is it okay if I risk my life to do this? Yes, and, and or risk our lives by now hurting these other guards who which she already gave chan approval to risk their lives by helping the guy that's so true why would yeah. she give it to me but yeah and and doesn't she even at the point like say like he needs help do yeah. something we should also mention that ming uh is played by james saito who uh has been in many things but the most celebrated um as far as we're concerned <laughs> yeah it was his appearance as uh oroko saki um the Shredder, the Shredder from the 1990 feature film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live-action Ninja Turtles. Did he do part two? Uh, no. No. Um, I know they switched the Shredders out for the second movie, and then— And they switched the April O'Neil, too. There's actually two Shredders in the second movie, because I think— uh, For the Super Shredder, there was someone Kevin different. Nash, who, uh, Kevin Nash actually gets reused multiple times as, like, giant characters, because okay. he was, he's a professional wrestler. Big guy. And Yeah, he's huge. I think he's, like, seven foot— so yeah, so Ming gives him a, gives him a hand, but they have the their guns and they wanted to learn how to use them. But MacGyver, it's, it's like uh, it takes you too long to they'll teach to teach you how to use it. It's not going to be enough time. I have Which to go isn't do this. true. It's their guns. You yeah, pull a trigger, you point it at what you want to. Exactly. Die. There's there's really not. I mean, like there's a, there's clearly there are professionals who are much better at shooting guns than other people. Right. But they're dealing with Narai and Truang who are not adept at combat. Right. It seems, and uh, Narai. You know, it's not a not the world's greatest swordsman, and, uh, and Truang is is not a, a not a great shot. I mean, he right. unloaded. At, um, he, I mean, they could they could have even had the gun was in the holster and he pulled it out and it was empty because he fired all of his shots right, at the truck, right. um, which would have made just as much sense, uh, maybe more. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, these these are not excellent marksmen, and if you gave the entire village rifles, they they could they very probably, capably have defended themselves. Yeah, I agree. Uh, MacGyver runs off, and the villagers are all really sad. Anik like says, you know, says we'll we'll plead with Narai. We'll we'll ask we'll, for forgiveness. Exactly. Um, and Chan follows MacGyver to the helicopter drop, thinking that MacGyver is going to leave. Right. Um, and there's this really terrible uh, overlay overlay of, of smoke to give the impression that the helicopter's kicking up all this dust, which I'm sure on on television looked fine in the original run because right. the mat probably filled the whole frame of your television screen but if you watch it on netflix or on a dvd like we have yeah um you'll see on the left side of the screen that the the overlay didn't actually cover the entire picture so right there's very clear breathing space <laughs> just to the left of where chan is crying for macgyver not to leave this very narrow strip of perfectly blue sky yes uh but macgyver does stay and uh that's where we they just some they come up with their next plan right so now MacGyver returns to the village to... Right. Well, there's there's kind of a reveal here that w- the the helicopter touches down. Right. And, and uh, we we hear the pilot sort of, oh, MacGyver's here. He's got what we're looking for. Let's get out of here. And uh, MacGyver hands off this canister and, and Chan's sort of sobbing on the sidelines because he thinks he's watching MacGyver leave. Right. And then the helicopter picks back up. And as the, the terrible added smoke clears, we see that uh, MacGyver is, in fact, still there. Yay! And he, he steps over to Chan and kind of says, like, I was never leaving. Like, that, was, that wasn't that was my plan. Even <laughs> though, clearly, he just changed his mind. Yeah, because, like, otherwise he would have told him. He says, right. I'll be right back. Yeah. Like, he didn't tell the villagers, yeah, he, like, he, He's like, I just wanted to traumatize you. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> he comes out the villager, the villager creek done ritual suicide yeah. to avoid the wrath of Narai. Chan comes back and it's just, you know, Lin and Ming's bodies are holding hands in the street. <laughs> so dark <laughs> took a real dark turn but that's not what happened no no what Every- happened? everyone's fine don't worry <laughs> and uh, macgyver returns and they say they're all what are, what are we gonna do and macgyver's got some plans and they they run through a montage of various traps that are being set up right 
and uh, Ming is kind of like heading up the operation with the grandfather giving him uh, back I was backseat confidence and and like approval, like saying, "Yeah, you're doing a good job here, man. Yeah. Like you're becoming a man. He's taking control of the village, and, and he's he's learning sort of to become a leader, which I, I think I told you in places feels like a prequel to his to Arokosaki. Yeah, <laughs> like like his, his ultimate rise to power. Like this is this is how he started. Like like uh, he he led his village and then he he moved on to become an opium dealer himself <laughs> and like took over this huge portion of burma and then moved to america and trained to be a samurai because really they don't have any other skills their, right. their skills are growing and harvesting opium yeah, this so. is how they make a living they'll continue to do this after macgyver's gone yeah no but now they get to keep the money for themselves yes <laughs> uh so they they start setting up some traps and even anik the 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 head man is helping out although he's still kind of a little reluctant about the plan yeah but he he's not against he's not totally against it like he's not like like just sitting being frumpy he's helping out sure like he 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 wants the best for his people so it's it's a good thing to bring up yeah um i also wanted to um point out that um by not leaving with the helicopter MacGyver has sort of doomed himself to a permanent stay here in right. Burma because the general makes it very clear on the beach in the beginning that this helicopter is coming 24 hours later and they're not coming back after that. Right. So if you're not ready, then you're gonna you're Burmese now. You live there <laughs> and uh, enjoy enjoy your stay. And so this is this is a, quite a sacrifice that he's making right, by, right. by staying behind. He he doesn't have you know communications to to just order up another helicopter he's going to have to to hike it over to budapest for our next ones <laughs> um one of the uh macgyverisms traps as far as things that he's setting up which he said they set up multiple traps they yeah. they dig a pit and disguise it with a fake pit nearby right so they they lay leaves across the road to imply that there's a hole dug here right. so that they will drive off the side of the road and then fall into the, the actual pit. hole. They, they've got a log trap, like a swinging log trap. They have another log trap that triggers machine guns to fire at the drivers. Yeah. Or to the, sorry, at the tires of the cars. Right. But uh, the big one is the uh, ash and rice alcohol uh, he calls smoke it a flute. screen. Yeah, he makes like a flute. And the, but they bury it. It's a big, long bamboo shoot, which they bury with holes, and it's filled with ash, and they're going to just run car exhaust through it to blow it out and make make. It a, basically clouds the whole village square, yeah. and it's going to burn these guys' eyes, and yeah. they're not going to be able to see anything. So the convoy starts to approach with now Truang heading it up. Uh, presumably, Presumably, at this point, he has not yet contacted the general that there's a problem. Right. Because we see him do He's that. trying to take care of it himself first before exactly. he bothers the general. Because he doesn't want to be held responsible, right. I'm sure. So they start making their way, and... Uh, We're introduced to each of these traps by MacGyver, like, any herpetologist will tell you, blah, 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 blah. People, yeah, it, or people have a fear of snakes. Right. Even herpetologists. Even um, they're, they're during the, the herpetologist snake, they, cause they dump a whole bunch of snakes onto a Jeep to get to the like drivers, scare the drivers out right. so that MacGyver can take it over. But there's a nice little India, there's a nice little temple of doom, Indiana Jones yeah, kind of reference. Yeah, they take a shot at the, at, which it, it's, it's funny because they're, they're taking a shot at Indiana Jones, but this is also borrowing, I think, uh, healthily from Temple of Doom in that this Chan character is kind of a palette swap for short round. Yeah. Right down to, like, the hat. this baseball cap was chosen to imply that. And this is a year after Temple of Doom came out. So right, right. It, it seems like a pretty clear reference. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but, but the snakes all get dumped in the Jeep to scare out the drivers, and then MacGyver and Chan take the Jeep, but there's still one snake left in it. Right. And uh, and MacGyver kind of goes whoa, and Ch and Chan goes oh, are you afraid of a st snakes, MacGyver? And he says, no, <laughs> I just don't like being around them. And he just throws it out. Yeah, of the he Jeep. just he just chucks the yeah. snake out and then probably runs over it. But <laughs> or the or the, or the drivers. <laughs> yeah, both of the people that just hopped out. But it's it's a very clear shot of Indiana Jones, like oh mm -hmm. yeah, MacGyver's not afraid of snakes. Yeah, he's better. He's afraid of heights though. He's afraid of heights. I don't I don't think. Uh, I don't think Indiana Jones was in was an acrophobe. No. Uh so one by one, like these traps are going off. You know, the the they encounter the uh 
the pit. Is the pit's first? I think the pit's first. Well, doesn't he already have uh, the jeep from from the snake trap? Right. He's got the jeep, and he's trying to like he. Chewing says that they try to. They're trying to lure them away. So the 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 pit is the first. The first trap they encounter. Like Chewing sees the leaves and goes, ah, ha ha. So he drives off to the right, which. Hopefully he wouldn't have gone to the left. Yeah. The right's where the pit is. Or maybe there's another pit. We don't That's know. true. They, they, they he just dug a series of pits. Yeah, well, they don't they don't make it clear whether or not there's an actual pit in the road that's covered with leaves. Yeah. Um, because there is a line from Lynn when MacGyver says, "So what do you think?" And she says, "Well, I think it looks really obvious." And he says, "Yeah, that's the point." And it's like that implies that there is a pit in the road. Yeah. Because if there's not a pit in the road. And they just put leaves down. Then she wouldn't say, "Well, it looks." Won't they notice it right away? It's like, won't they notice what that there's leaves in the road? Like that's, you understand the point of what we just did, right? We <laughs> dug this hole for two hours, and I explained to you because it's it's like a it's like an eight foot deep. Uh, yeah, it, this it's is a big hole. Yeah, I feel like these people could probably be peeling more poppy seeds than <laughs> they're letting on. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of work. If they work this hard, yeah. Yeah, they just need some motivation. It's all MacGyver. Yeah. MacGyver could lead them to a thriving opium den. But really, because like three feet would have been enough to take out a jeep. Yeah, but like, this is enough to swallow a whole jeep and like half of the next one. Yeah. Which that the driver in the second jeep back just kind of jumps out before he even gets to the hole. Like, right. He forgot his jeep had brakes and he's just like, <laughs> Whoa. oh, there's a trap. I don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> I don't even want to be near it. <laughs> uh, the next trap. Like involves all the cars having to be in a perfect line uh, because they've put a log in the middle of the road that's attached to a bunch of AKs that are in a line aimed towards the, the tires vehicles. Because yeah. MacGyver is that terrified of accidentally hurting a person. Right. Even though they could very easily have yeah. miscalculated and killed everyone. Absolutely. You know, once those guns start firing with, with nothing to absorb the recoil. Yeah. And like they could the, be firing in any direction. Exactly. They're going to be Even going all over the place. Even when people are holding onto a gun, sometimes the recoil throws is, their arm around enough that they kill themselves or exactly. other people nearby. But this doesn't happen. These are and, very strong trees that yeah. left in charge. Um, and uh, so it blows out the tires. And But, you know, Jeeps are pretty strong. I feel that they could have continued to drive those Jeeps on just two sets of flat tires. Right. I mean, they're, they're military Jeeps. They're supposed to be able to drive. Yeah. Without the tires, even they could drive on the rims forever. Yeah, exactly. Which we'll see that later. Right, uh, that's one of my favorite episodes too. Yeah. Anyway, um, so now they're on foot, and it comes. They're they're come to the final the final flute trap. Right. Uh, which they they drive the jeep that they stole, parked it, and then hook up a hose to the exhaust pipe. Which I noticed right away that they're grabbing the exhaust pipe and hooking up the hose right away. That that exhaust pipe is going to be a hot. Oh, because he just pulled up. He just pulled up. Yeah. That thing's going to be smoking hot. So it had to be a prop exhaust pipe. Yeah, and and so I was like, ah, when they grab it, I was like, oh yeah. god, <laughs> don't uh, touch that. <laughs> um, and because uh, you know, so often in movies they they do things, and then in other movies they'll they'll counteract it. For example, this is a weird tangent. Um, when you shoot a gun, and then they push it to someone's head, they're fine. But if you do that, the tip of the in gun is life, hot. Yeah. And sometimes in movies they make a point of that. Like they shoot a gun and then press it and they go, ah, because yeah. it's hot. But then other times they do that and nothing happens. It's like one of those weird little inconsistencies. Yeah. Like in some movies bring it up, oh, yeah, this is what would happen. Yeah. But in, in other times it's not scripted, so it can't happen. Right. Um, yeah, so this is one of those instances where exhaust pipes are not hot. Right. When they're they're cool to the touch. Or is there a cut between? Maybe he parked the car and they left it for four hours. <laughs> and then they hooked up the two. Uh, in either case, they hook it up and uh, they, you know, the guards now are spread out because they're entering the village. And they move right over the, the right bamboo over the, lattice work of this next uh, of the road. And uh, Chan hits the gas, which sends out exhaust and then shoots out the uh the this rice the wine and fire ash fire ash yeah which yeah. is a pretty pretty effective like blowing out like yeah. it's a really good look like, and, well, and it seems to disable them pretty quickly yeah but my problem with it was that he's he, he early he calls it tear gas yeah and he's but 
when they run out there to hit the guards, they're only wearing protection over their nose. Yeah, like they don't want to breathe it in, but MacGyver's eyes are wide open as yeah. he's disabling and, and disarming these guards the, the, in, the, in the fog of the tear gas. Yeah, it, it, I mean, maybe because they were more prepared for it. Or like, maybe MacGyver's been, been spending decades meticulously developing an immunity to tear gas. <laughs> like his eyes are just literally glass. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they run out there and they subdue the guards. Um, but oh, prior that Chirang had called it in, called in the general. Oh right. With with this enormous radio. Yeah, it's a it's a Zach Morris phone. Yeah, it's it's so big and he holds it with one hand, which I guess it's supposed to, but it really looks like you need two hands to hold yeah. it. Yeah, and I think I've seen in movies like you know generals like holding a phone like that and using both hands yeah because obviously it's it's a portable radio but true he doesn't have time for that yeah he he just (laughs) he's just been doing curls with this one phone all day yeah he's got it he's got it down (laughs) and so he calls he calls in the general so once the village is secure and they got all the guards knocked out that's when narai arrives again Right. This time, opening fire from his new gunship. His newly unveiled gunship, mm-hmm. and he's—it's—it's uh, it's kind of funny. He uh, when he first comes into town, he does this like sweep of the village where everyone's kind of trying to hide to get out of the way. Right. And uh, and he he moves down the down the street, you know, hovering twenty mm-hmm. feet in the air in, in the helicopter, and he kind of turns it left and turns it right it yeah. just seems like he's very clearly like pantomiming a person looking for yeah, it's like, villagers mm-hmm. uh, is there someone over here and it's like you came from above like you could have seen if there was anybody here yeah you just you just go back above and hover yeah and look and just down look around you have a full 180 degree view at your disposal yeah um so he's hovering super low which gives macgyver the opportunity to grab a, a winch right from the jeep and hook it on to the helicopter ski. Or... And it's a pretty awesome-looking stunt. Yeah, actually. it's great. Like, he, he runs, jumps up onto a Jeep, and then jumps up onto the... The strut. Of the ski, the strut, yeah. yeah. And he's hanging on there and, uh, you know, hanging by one arm. The thing. Yeah, he's hanging by one arm and hooking it on with the other. And then he has to wait for it to come back down enough for he can jump off. And, and Meanwhile, uh, Narai is just firing at will, trying to take MacGyver out while he's on the ground. Right. And uh, so MacGyver then starts, like, winching the helicopter down. Right. Uh, and it's like Narai is trying to fight the, the cable, realizing that he's stuck. So it keeps bringing down the helicopter lower, which then allows MacGyver to winch it down even yeah, further. Tighter. Yeah, And so eventually he's forcing... He's giving him slack to retighten. Yeah. Uh, eventually forces Narai to land. Right. And uh, so then Narai gets out of the helicopter, and they do a couple of little, little bit of martial arts-like yeah. attempts. But then Narai goes full on. Uh, he switches back to his days of our lives, Satori Hanzo. Yeah, he pulls out. Was it was it an actual saber or was it like a cane sword? Well, anyway, he he brings out this blade, and you think things about to get really intense. It's like, uh oh, MacGyver doesn't have a weapon, <laughs> and he also like he's more the knock a person out with his fists guy. So even yeah. in a sword fight, like this is MacGyver doesn't kill people. He's a, exactly he's a very Superman guy. He doesn't like killing people. And this looks like he's not going to have an, another option. Yeah. So luckily. <laughs> so luckily, Narai uh, immediately trips. Trips over the, the helicopter strut. And somehow turns his sword around. Which is an impossible task. He turns it completely around, stabbing himself in the chest. Yeah. And this is dead. Instantly dead. Which I think uh, the... The better metaphor would have been if he tripped over the guns that he had just added to the ship. Oh. Because it's like, oh, you were so eager to get these guns on your ship, you forgot that they were there, and mm. then you, you tripped over them, and they were your undoing. Yeah. But instead... <laughs> he just trips over <laughs> a strut tripped. and stabs himself in the chest. <laughs> oh, man. It's... And MacGyver just turns to the villagers, and he's like, now you're free. <laughs> now you're free. I did this. <laughs> I, that was all me. <laughs> I think it would have been great, and MacGyver just never shown up, and Narai just trips one day on yeah. his sword. He's very That's what clumsy. would have happened if he left in the helicopter. Like, Ming and, and the other villagers would have, like, fought off Truang, and then when Narai showed up, he would have just fallen on a sword. And <laughs> they would have been free anyway. MacGyver could have left. He's but just, now he has to walk to Budapest. Yeah, well, now now he's got Narai's helicopter. Right, that's true. So, I, that's the only way I can assume he escapes, is that he steals the helicopter. Sure, And flies, flies away. That's fair. Um, we don't know, I mean, ultimately, 
we don't know what happens to these people. They're free. You ended on that note anyway. Although it's a very somber moment when uh, MacGyver's kind of like hugging Chan and it does this aerial view and you see the helicopter blade still slowing down. Yeah. And, and, the, and the music is still kind of almost ominous. Yeah. A little bit. But then it... Da, but, da, da, yeah. Da, da, da. But it was like, it's like, they're free, but are they free? Yeah. Um, or is Ming going to take over this village <laughs> with his iron fist? I need more puppies. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to have a line there of uh, MacGyver just turning around and saying, all right, so uh, how about some of that opium I've been hearing so much about? <laughs> you got this huge stockpile of opium now and nothing to do with it. I've, I've been chasing the dragon for a long time. Let's let's throw a party. Let's throw an awry stabbed himself in the chest party. And, and, but it still leaves all these other questions. I don't know. I, I'm such a nitpicker. I, the, the, the questions of they have all these other guards. Right. Uh, what are they going to do with them? If, uh, there's got to be some second in command of right. this massive poppy, because he didn't just buy a helicopter, run out to buy. He's got people working for him. He's right. he's connected. And there's also the possibility. I mean, as much as he kind of sells himself as like the the end all be all leader of this this uh, drug organization, like he does mention when he when he first comes to them, he has this really like trying to be a sympathetic character, saying, yeah. "Look, I care about you people." I'm trying to take care of you. I offer you protection. I offer you, but it's not clear who he's offering them protection from. Yeah. And potentially there are other drug lords out there that he works for mm-hmm. or that he works in competition with that would move in to replace him. Yeah. So it's as free as they are, they're still potentially yeah. at risk if if Narai wasn't just you know, his... blowing smoke in exactly in explaining his protection. I guess I guess the only defense would they would be have word of mouth from the guards who escaped saying, by the way, don't go to this village. They kicked our butts. Yeah. They're, they're pretty, they got this MacGyver guy. Yeah. And they're tough customers. It's a mess. MacGyver becomes a uh, Marlon Brando in, yeah. in Apocalypse Now, just crazy man in a cave. Are my methods on sound? <laughs> I don't see any method at all. MacGyver. <laughs> all in all, it's an okay episode. Yeah. I, it's definitely not as good as the pilot, but that's yeah. not fair to compare a pilot that someone spent a year putting together exactly. to the first episode of an actual series run. Um, it's definitely a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and there's like, we kind of covered, it seems like much, many fewer MacGyverisms. Although, I mean, I guess the trap montage kind of makes up yeah. for it. There's a, there were a lot of traps that were set. Yeah. Um, but they were all, other than like really the, the flute and the machine gun trap, it was digging a hole. Dropping snakes and on people. Dropping snakes. The, the, not, they, while they all were his plan. They weren't technically MacGyverisms. Yeah, I, I would say that, that they, they were. They don't repurpose an everyday thing for. Correct. Yeah. But it's still a decent episode. Um, it, it shows off, like I said in the beginning, it shows off that MacGyver is going to be more about grander adventures, right. not just st- st- sticking in the United States and doing stuff around town. Like he's. He's got other places to go, other things that are going to be calling to his attention. And it also sets the stage for understanding the series as being about this one guy. There's there's no characters other than MacGyver from the pilot in this episode. Right. And nobody from this episode or the pilot besides MacGyver will appear in the next episode. It's, it's, a, it's very clearly a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And I think part of moving everything to Burma for the second one was was like you said to show that this is sort of a jet setting operation he's going to be in a different place every time he could be anywhere on the planet right but his job is going to be the same which is to fix things Mm -hmm. all right so i think that about wraps things up for the golden triangle um if any of you would like to reach out to us with your notes about uh this episode or future episodes um for us to sort of uh come back to your notes when we get there um we can be reached on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Opening Gambit, all one word. Uh, our Facebook page, you can like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And, of course, we can always be found at phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I hope you'll tune in next week when we cover Season 1, Episode 3, Thief of Budapest. Thank you very much. Thank you.